Welcome to the Rogue Tailboard Podcast, where firemen are fired up and minimal is unacceptable. Good morning, my man. How are you? Good morning, brother. I'm great. How are you? Man, it's good. Little little technical difficulties. Every time God's about to get glorified, though, you know, Satan's got to come in and try and do his little stoppage every now and then. Hey, that's exactly right. It, it's an everyday thing sometimes, man. Adversity is a is a beautiful thing if you let it be. <clears throat> no, I like that because it actually really is. Uh, man, there's so much that can be said about that alone, though. Right. But, uh, no, you're absolutely right on that. But no, it's a good morning here in Texas, man. It's uh, it's about nine-ish, and the weather's looking good. My kiddos are up. They're full of Fruit Loops, and now they're watching some cartoons for a little bit. Well, Daddy gets to have a good talk. And uh, the, the rest of the day brings. Fabulous. Yeah, it's beautiful here in East Tennessee, too. We had a good foggy morning. Fall's coming, and uh, the sun is showing its face now. So I'm nice. excited to see what the day brings here as well. <clears throat> Man, I had a good time in Tennessee last Christmas, and uh, I almost wanted to move there. You know, we visited the Pigeon Forge area, and uh, I told my wife, I said, babe, I can live here. She's like, why? It's nothing but mountains. I said, exactly. <laughs> Just yeah. look around, man. This is beautiful. So Pigeon Forge is about an hour east of me, depending okay. on how you drive. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty close to that. Uh, that that's home. That's the backyard. But I will say this: <clears throat> Tennessee is so much more than Nashville and Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg. We have so right. much more to offer. Like those are beautiful places. Don't get me wrong. And I'm glad we have hot spots for people to come and to enjoy. I love when people come and visit the state and. You know, they brag about how good of a time they had stuff. So it's it's great because Tennessee is home and it is beautiful, but there's a whole lot more to it than just uh, the hustle and bustle of that. So if you come back, we'll take care of you. All right. Well, yeah, I have to I have to make that trip then for sure. Get the get the local love. I like that. So, well, Tank, first off, man, uh, thanks for coming on, brother. Thank you for taking time out of your day to just talk life with me and uh just kind of dabble into your story and uh man just thank you thank you for coming on of course thank you for having me it's it's very humbling to be asked to do this and i never dreamed that anything like this would happen so i will say selfishly i hope this is the first of many because i just believe that what we're preaching and what we're trying to set the example for the world needs it the fire service needs it and the world needs it in general and i'm not Amen. afraid to be a part of uh the team that spreads that word and again i'm thankful for it so thank you for asking me to be here oh man anytime you are the guys that i look for man i look for the ones that are, are making the positive impacts in their local areas and just hearing their story stories and the ones that have overcome adversity or just man that's those are the stories that i want to hear um and that that's who i want to try and bring on as much as possible you know i'm I'm not a tactics space guy, you know, because whatever fits for your area, awesome rock and roll with it. Right. Um, I can't, I can't really talk that kind of talk, but uh, uh, I understand. Yeah. I'm the same way. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that completely. So, and why don't you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Tank? So uh, before we get too far in, I do have sure. two disclaimers that I, I have to give first is a professional disclaimer. And uh, that is a fact that nothing that I say or speak is a direct reflection of the opinions of my employer. Um, that's been made very clear. And to on a personal disclaimer, everybody needs to know that I'm a 29-year-old young buck knucklehead 
that's 320 <laughs> pounds. I am a fireman and I'm just trying to live every single day to set a good example for myself and the people around me. I'm not a perfect picture of physical fitness, of great firefighting, but I do make a conscious effort to wake up every day to be better today than I was yesterday, to love people like Jesus, like I said, to set the example and to just become better each and every day and to serve the people that I said I would serve to the absolute best of my ability. So that's my little professional and personal disclaimers. And now any and everything is well welcome to be on the table and we will have a good time. So um, right on. The business, you know, let's have some fun. That's exactly right. So as far as my a little background on me, like I said, I'm 29 years old from East Tennessee, raised predominantly by a single mother. My dad was in my life. He loved me. He actually introduced me to the fire department. He was not on the job in any way, form or fashion. But I, it's really funny. I tell this to a lot of people. I feel this is probably the farthest thing from the truth, probably like a Mandela effect type thing. But Mm -hmm. I feel like there was a phase of the Andy Griffith show, like between black and white and full color. That was like this red tint to the, the, the TV screen or whatnot. And when I think back to the early times of my dad taking me to the firehouse, it was, it's kind of in that color scheme. And that's just how I see the memory. It's goofy and it's weird, but I tell people that, and it's a, it's a great memory that I, that I hold on to with my dad. And I'm very thankful for, him wanting to share that with me and do that for me. Cause like I said, he wasn't on a job. He had no connections to the job. I was just infatuated with it from <laughs> as far back as I can remember. And so he, uh, that's my first recollection of going to the firehouse is him just taking me by for a visit. And obviously it's, it's turned out to, uh, to, um, to play out in my favor. Cause here we are today. So uh, I'm thankful for that. But like I said, pretty much predominantly young single mother, she worked hard, two or three jobs at times. I tell people I'm very spoiled because I never needed for anything. And most times I never wanted for anything either. My mom did a great job of loving me and raising me. And the first and foremost thing, two things that she did is she showed me Jesus and she set the example of working hard and earning what you get. So I'm thankful Amen. for those two things first and foremost. And now when she listens to this, she'll cry and she'll text me about it later. And that's okay. Um, hey, there's something to be said about a mama's boy. I'm one myself, man. That's exactly right. No shame in that game either. No shame. No shame. Um, <clears throat> two uncles on my mother's side, um, great men, great men of God. They love and support me to this day. So thankful for that family unit that I did have. I have a half brother that's my dad's child. He and I look almost exactly alike, but we're salt and pepper. Um, he's a good dude. And I love <laughs> him, but we are salt and pepper. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, seen my mom go through a lot of really rocky relationships and really a lot of bad things from the time I was young and seen a lot growing up. Uh, probably seen way more of the world by the time I was 10 than anybody should. And I feel like a lot of people have a story like that and that's okay. But um, seen a lot of the world, seen a lot of how not to do things. Um, yes. And still I learned a lot of lessons the hard way. Uh, but grew up with that. What's great is she met my stepdad through the local fire department sponsored a little league baseball team. And I got to be on that team. And so she met my stepdad through that and ended up marrying him. And now I have the connection to the job. And that was really cool to have that. Um, and so a lot of people assume that he was the reason I got onto the job, but it, he's not, he did. He definitely did help and he's helped me a lot. And he's, right. he set an example because he is an aggressive fireman. He always used to say, 
well, it's just a job and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, you're really good at it for it to just be a job. You take a lot of risks. You do a lot for people for it to just be a job. So you can say that, but you ain't fooling nobody. Um, yeah, we're so quick to downplay it, aren't we? Right. And I think that's one thing we do. And truly, I think it's just a part of trying to be humble and not be arrogant. Um, and we'll talk, so. we'll talk more about that later on. But uh, <clears throat> one of my coolest fire stories, and as a young guy here, we're not very fire busy, but I've had a lot of good experience, and there's a lot of cool things I've gotten the chance to do. But forever and always, probably my favorite fire story will be my first fire ever. So awesome. right in our backyard of the house we grew up in, uh, there was a, an apartment complex. It's two separate buildings. It's a frequent flyer address for the city that I grew up in. They're there two or three times a day easy um i'm sitting at home one night i just joined the fire department as an explorer i'm probably six i'm 16 years old because you had to be able to drive um okay. <clears throat> just got home from football practice a couple hours before sitting there eating dinner with my mom my stepdad's on shift we get dinged out for a job in the first floor of this apartment complex i'm like i don't even have turnout gear but i gotta go my mom's like go you gotta do it i'm like okay cool so like I said, it's literally in our backyard. So I run past my vehicle and I, I run down the street like a block. That's all it is. And I meet the second new engine at the plug at the top of the hill. The guy driving gets out. I know him, known him for years. He's like, hey, help me catch this hydrant. And when we holler at you, turn it on. He gives me a radio. So we, he lays the line. I hook it up to the hydrant. He goes on down the hill. And they holler at me, tell me to charge it. I charge it, and I take off. Um, as I'm coming down the hill, it, it's it's good to note that I'm in a pair of like Nike slides, some <laughs> some white hand socks, some some basketball shorts that are like our football uniform shorts that we wear on pregame days, and just a plain white Hanes t-shirt. And I'm Make running down. <laughs> I'm running down there, trying not to run out of my shoes or break them. I'm just excited. I'm a kid. And, yeah. you know, looking back now, we can't get away, even we can't get away with stuff like that now. Like, it's just different. I, I, I'm glad I came in at the time I did. Right. But I, I come down the hill and I come around the engine to check in with whoever's running the first new engine. Because how we roll here, usually whoever's running that first new engine's in command. That's just the way we operate. Yeah, um, Texas is very similar. First senior on scene. Yeah. So <clears throat> as I come down. Uh, I'm very familiar with these apartments. Like I said, they've been, they go there two times a day at least. My grandmother lived there for years. So I'm very familiar with the building. I know it in and out like everybody else does. The lobby, big plate windows and doors. And you can see in the lobby, clear as day. You can see the elevator, the hallway on each side, blah, blah, blah. Well, there's smoke and you can't see nothing. And I'm like, gee, you can tell the lights are still on. All right, dang, this is a real fire. Let's go. Come on. This is a real deal. I'm excited. Well, the door opens and through the smoke, you can see two people and they're pulling somebody out. I'm like, heck yeah, dude, they're making a grab. My first fire making a grab. Well, and I've never told this story in a public forum. I've told it to individuals. And so I'm glad to finally get to tell it publicly. Sure. So the, two, the two people pulling and making a grab is our assistant chief and my stepdad, who was a lieutenant at the time. And I'm like, yes, this is life. My first fire ever. I got to watch my stepdad make a grab. And that was the coolest thing for me. If there was any doubt, that I was meant for this, it was absolutely done away with and solidified that night getting to see that. I was like, and I bragged about that for weeks and 
you know, hmm. stepdad. Like I said, he's a humble guy, so he uh, he didn't think nothing about it. And now I understand. You know, we do our yeah. job because that's what we're here to do, and that's what we're here for. So, but I, I'm glad I get to tell that story for him in a public forum now and uh, get to brag on him for a little bit because I was so proud of that, and I still am to this day. And I genuinely believe no matter what I do, that'll probably keep first place in my favorite fire stories for my career. Man, because it had such an impact, you know, yeah. day one, I mean, first job to yep. witness something like that. You know, I can't even remember my first uh, actual paged out call as a volunteer, to be honest with you. So uh, that just shows that that sticks. Right. But, um, and then, so, man, that, uh, no, since then, obviously, I've had the absolute luxury to fight many fires with my stepdad mm-hmm. and get into some crazy situations that were like, don't tell your mother. <laughs> you know, and uh, just fun yeah. stuff, and si- things since then that we've told her, and she's good with it, and she's a great example of a how to be a wife to a, a fire family, and she's done a great job of that. Um, man, that's another topic on its own, right there. Tate. It sure man. is. It sure. Them firewives are something else now. They are, and I'm blessed to have a great one of them too. So, of course, she doesn't know me without it. So she came into it, right. and she took an interest in it, and she wanted to learn about it. And so she knows about it. And I think that's just a way that helps her cope. But like you said, that is a topic all in itself. Man. But uh, we'll pick back up the story. Graduated high school, went to community college, ended up getting my EMT, worked full time on an ambulance for about four years. Absolute worst time of my life. Just the system I was in, nothing against the company I worked for and the people that I worked with. Just the system was less than pleasurable, just the way it was set up. And, it, you know, it's nobody's fault. It just right. is what it is. But in the time that I was there, the way that I just allowed the enemy to defeat me, you know, it's nobody's fault but my own. Um, I came to know Christ at the age of 13. And when I say that, I mean, I genuinely understood what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, to understand the sacrifice that he came, he lived, he died, and he rose again. At 13 years old, I understood. And I understood that the choices that I make through life really dictate i don't want to say how easy life is but how you learn how to handle the situations and trust in him and respecting the sacrifice made in that and so um because you know how it goes a lot of little kids and what we call children's church are like oh yeah little johnny or susie was saved today they accepted jesus and there's nothing wrong with that don't get me wrong obviously no but i share the same view you do with that man I don't know. I get you. I get it. Yeah. I do believe that after that, a certain time will come that a young man and a young woman truly realize and grasp the severity of the decision to follow Christ and not just the decision to follow him, but the decision that was made for him to come do for us what he did, you know? Right. So, um, and so coming back to, you know, like 2014 is when I started the ambulance and I just allowed the enemy to defeat me greatly. And I was, I've always been, so the, the me that people see on social media today, the mm-hmm. tank fired up Morris that people get to see on Facebook, that is a whole lot more in line and who I was growing up. And before I started working on the ambulance, and I don't blame the ambulance. It's just, it was one of the tools that the enemy used to distract me and pull me away from Christ. And so yeah, he'll try everything, man. He'll he'll throw <laughs> multiple baits out there until oh, yeah. something finally sticks. Like, oh, I got him now. Now I oh, know yeah. what type of bait to use for sure. So, um, I lost that joy. I lost that fire. I lost that just that upbeat attitude. And I was just a very 
angry person, very angry. And I was mean to people, people that I love and that I care about. And I was, uh, I was a terrible boyfriend <laughs> to a few ladies through the years. I had just very terrible habits. I treated them like crap. And I say that not to, to down myself, but I say that to say that what God can truly do and where he can bring us from if we let him is a great thing. I had a lot of lessons to learn the hard way. Right. And I've since I I've since apologized and made amends with all of those females. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I still friends with them on Facebook. I still see them sometimes and I don't associate with them on the regular or nothing crazy like that. But right. I will say that I had to eat my humble pie and I had to look at them in the face and say, you know, I'm sorry for the way I treated you. And I believe that's a part of growing up. And I believe that's a part of maturing is being able to recognize that, hey, sometimes you're the knucklehead and you're the problem. And you got to fix yeah. that. And there's a lot know, that won't even do that, man. So, I mean, oh, just to be able oh, to have that is an yeah. incredible. Story. So, um, one night, the, the, I'll call it the peak, but really the deepest of the deeps, the lowest of the lows. One night, we're sitting off an exit on the interstate. Wait, we're like two or three hours past our off duty time on, on the truck. We didn't work 24s. We don't have stations. So we did system status posting. Some people in this country are familiar with that, some are not. Mm-hmm. But essentially, you sit in your ambulance for however long your shift is plus two hours just because that's the way it usually goes. Um, my partner at the time, and I've talked to him and I told him I was going to talk about this, and he gave me the blessing to talk about it. But he was going through a rough patch in life, and he and I are both believers, and we had a really good time working together. Um, our mm-hmm. physical build was very similar. We were the guys that people called when they needed help. Um, right. We were, we were really good at being the second do ambulance to go help people, you know, lifting whatever it was. And I, I'm proud of that. Um, he was going through a hard time in life. He was married, a few kids, just going through a real, a real ugly struggle. And then I was going through what I was going through. And of course, how we always do, we try our best to hide the struggles we go through. And right. so I wasn't really letting mine come to light. He wasn't really able to keep his from the light. Um, so we're sitting here. He's on the phone with his wife. It's a really unpleasurable conversation. It's raining cats and dogs. I've had enough. Caleb radio station was on the radio, which is really ironic because of we, we kept it on the radio in the truck all the time because it was just like our one way of keeping God with us. But the way we talked, the way we acted, the jokes we told, the things we did just didn't that reflect that at all. But yeah. um, we kept that. And so a David Crowder song, Come As You Are, I'm pretty sure that's the name of it, came yep. on the radio. And I was just, I was literally bawling my eyes out. And finally i was just like i can't sit in this truck anymore so i get out of the truck and it's raining i'm like forget a rain jacket i'm not putting that on and i just literally <laughs> i remember standing at the side of the ambulance and like beating my head against the side of the ambulance so a lot, lot super hard just doing it yeah and uh in that moment i was like lord i know that you already have a place in my heart i know that i believe in you i know that i love you and i know you love me and in this moment, I just need you to love me because I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to give you. I don't I don't know. I just need you to know my heart and love me through it the best that, you know, and I give you me. This That's all I can do. <clears throat> and 
So the other unit pulls up. We, we were swapping out stretchers is why we were waiting on them. <clears throat> we go, we get off duty. He and I had a blow up in the bay of the, the what we called the EOC and mm-hmm. it was our headquarters. We had a blow up, a verbal altercation. Um, just a lot of negativity. I go, I told him, screw you. I left the truck with him. I took my paperwork and what I had to turn in to our stock people. I took it to them and they, they heard the whole deal. They weren't with us, but they could hear us from one end of the bay to the other. Mm-hmm. And I walked up and they looked at me and they're like, we're on your side. We'll let them know when they come in in the morning, go home and have a good night. I told them, have a good night, brothers. Appreciate y'all. Thank you for what you do. I gave, turned in what I needed to turn in, which is like a fuel card for the truck and some other just random knickknacks. Right. Turned my paperwork in, signed out and left. Um, <clears throat> a couple of days later, my partner was let go. I was talked to about the incident. He was let go from the company. Fast forward a few years later. Um, well, we'll just say fast forward to now. Okay. He and I are friends again. We've overcome that. God has brought him a new wife, a beautiful wife that loves the Lord, leads him back to Jesus, keeps him grounded, and just mm-hmm. allows him to flourish, to be an awesome dad. Just the things God has done. I have a beautiful wife that God blessed me with. And mine and his friendship is stronger now than it's ever been. And I hope that one day we're able to use our experience for other men to lead them or to bring them back. And so that's exciting. That's just one of the many things that God has done for me. And like I said, it's just, it's really, here's, here's another little fun fact. A lot of people don't know, and I'm, I'm really letting my secret out of the box here. My, (laughs) my legal name is Charles Tyler Morris. Everybody's like, nobody knows that. Everybody just knows tank and that's fine. But he, his name is also Tyler. So I was Tyler. He was Tyler. We were the Tylers and we were the truck you called when you needed help. And so, I firmly believe that one day he and I are going to be able to come together and use our story for other men and for young men to hopefully help them prevent getting to where we got. And so it's a beautiful thing in that sense that we're friends. We've overcome that and apologize to one another and just to see where God's brought him. And I know obviously I live it every day where God's brought me. And so what's also funny about that night is after that, of course, the next few days were just really uh, rough and just continuing, Lord, just know my heart. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Just help me. Help me figure it out through you. I don't want to figure it out. I want to trust you to do what I know you can and will do for me. And so it wasn't two weeks later. Now, I'm 21 at the time. So it wasn't two weeks later um, <clears throat> at our church. We had a guest singer. And this guy's he, this guy's home church was our church, but he's a professional gospel singer, and nice. uh, he came once a year, usually early in the year, either January or February. But his oldest daughter, my mother, used to be the VBS director, the Vacation Bible School director, and his daughter had helped with the music for a couple of years. And I had met her years ago. Um, she's three years younger than I am, and so it was. I was always enough ahead of her that it was weird but i always thought she was super cute and just i really the fir- i remember the first time i ever seen her she was in her middle school phase she had glasses and braces and all this fun stuff and she hated herself and i was like man she's really cute um i like her but she was always like i said just that awkward uh we were in that phase of life where her age our age gap was just awkward and right so you know 
come back this way a couple of years and she's helping with the music for vacation Bible school. I'm doing the sound. My mom's leading vacation Bible school. And so I'm spending a lot of time with her. And so one day we are counting the money from the penny war. And I'm, are you familiar with the vacation Bible school penny wars? Not the penny wars, but I'm very familiar with vacation Bible school. So every year here, we have a penny war, boys versus the girls, and then you have a couple usually in the church that is, uh, if the boys win, they get to like pie the wife in the face and vice versa, whatever it is, you know, <laughs> okay. just some yeah. sort of incentive for kids to raise money for some sort of chosen charity for that year. Okay. Well, one one evening, my mother, myself, and the lady that's leading the Vacation Bible School worship that Carrie was helping with, uh it's just us three we're counting it carrie's not there and you know we're talking about her she ends up coming up and staying for a minute and then leaving and melissa is the lady that was leading worship's name and she was like you know i think y'all are going to get married and i'm like i'm not mad about it like <laughs> i'm not mad about that like i can get on board with that for let's, sure. let's start praying that right now <laughs> so fast forward back to early 2015 uh weeks after this incident i spoke about on the ambulance with my brother um mm this guy comes to sing and he has this little bit in his show where he introduces his family and it's just kind of a break for him to kind of take a break from seeing him. But no, normally he's in places that haven't seen his, his, uh, his ministry. So he even does it at the home church because there's still, we, we were a growing church. So there was new people. So anyway, right. I'm up, I'm upstairs in the sound booths. We're not using our sound booth, but I'm just watching from up there. And, uh, so he starts introducing the family. He gets to the oldest daughter. She's 18 now. She's in college, blah, 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 blah. And to my right side, I just feel a, a disturbance in the force. And I'm like, what is <laughs> happening to me? And I look down over the edge and my mother is staring a hole completely through my existence. <laughs> and after the service, she's like, it's time. You have to talk to her. She's 18, blah, 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 blah. She's old enough. We've been praying about this. It's time to do your part. And I'm like, you've lost your mind. Yeah, here we go. Oh, gosh. Fast forward almost eight years later, and now Carrie and I are married, and we have a wonderful life together, and God has absolutely blessed me with her. And I'm telling you, I wouldn't be here today without her. And it's just funny how God works and how life is. And I'm super blessed and super humbled that he continues to show me great favor, even as much of a knucklehead as I am. So it's just funny how things go. So, Man, amen to that, baby. That's an awesome story. I'm, I'm glad that you shared that. Yeah. So, I mean, go ahead. I love you. Um, so then that, and then you couple that with the fact that every single day of my life, I get to do the greatest job on earth, and I, I got it made, man. I'm very spoiled in my life, and I'm not mad about it. Yes. That's the funny thing here, because you, you don't see this, obviously, but I've got different questions, and you've already, like, went through four of them. So that just kind of <laughs> shows what – what God's already sinking in here with that. But uh, I do want to touch on your, your love and faith with Jesus just a little more. And how does that carry over into the fire service? Because yeah. before you answer that, the reason yeah. I like asking that, man, is um, us as Christians, we, we see the life that we're honestly called to live. And um, we are sometimes the only walking testimony that non-believers will ever get a chance to see or interact with. Um, so if our if our walk and our actions don't match up with the the three letter word God that's put across our forehead, then we're not doing 
God's work per se. So now that we are a public servant and now that we are, you know, pretty much responsible for rendering aid on people's worst days, whether they're a believer or not, it doesn't matter. Our work still has to be done. How has your faith in Jesus impacted you in the fire service at that level? Um, it, like everything else, it's kind of cliche sounding, but it's the forefront of it. I mean, mm-hmm. without my relationship with Jesus, I'd really, I really, I 100% don't believe that I would not be able to continue doing it. Um, right. I think that's one reason why the fire service and emergency service in general, we have so many issues with substance abuse and marital issues and stuff like that is because I will, I'll just come out and say it. It's just a lack of believers doing their job, um, setting the example, not only for the people that we serve, but the people that we serve with um, and just being who we say we are. Um, I've not seen as much as some people and I won't, but I've seen a lot of things and I know hundred percent that it's just God that gets me through it and right. you know, just getting on my hands and uh, my, my face and my knees and just turning it to him. And just really saying, Lord, you know, this was kind of jacked up, but it's yours. Um, I mean, I struggle with the same things everybody struggles with, the depressions, the anxieties, the the nightmares, the sleepless nights. But I do, I do 100% give credit to my relationship with Jesus is the fact that I'm able to deal with those a little better. But I do cling to my people. I, right. I work out. I train. And I just try to be who you see me claim to be on social media and really it, it all is a foundation of him. And I'm not the believer that I should be. And I don't live it out like I should. And I think we can all say that we don't, we all could do better. Yeah. But, we can all testify to that. For sure. <laughs> but I do make a conscious effort every day to, to try to set that correct example. So it's funny when, when we get a fire. So I'll just tell this. Back in late July, early August, my city had its first working fire in our city limits in two years. We're not a very heavy fire city. It is what it is. We were on duty for it, thankfully, because, you know, I like if it's going to happen, I want to be on duty for it. Exactly. (laughs) Every time I go to a fire, whether it's with my full time job or with the volunteer department that I volunteer with, I'm just praying, Lord. And this is a part of my daily prayer as well, going to work. Let us be effective. Let us be efficient. Keep us safe. Keep us right. Let us do what we're here to do. And I'll just pray that. And when I started, guys would say, you know, to, to conserve air, you could sing a song you like or this, that, and the other, just different little tactics that guys came up with. And I just pray a lot. When I'm in a fire, I just pray a lot. I'm enjoying what's going on. I'm doing a job. And I'm just like, Lord, just protect us. Let us be right by the people we're doing this for. Protect the people that are with me. Protect me. (laughs) You know, I don't want to forget about myself. But, I mean, prayer is probably my biggest thing. When nobody would ever suspect that it's happening, I'm praying. Um, Like I said, the ride to the fire and we'll be talking like we, we were in the cab. We were discussing what we were going to do. We were discussing our tactics, having that conversation. But then when I'm not talking out loud, it's just like, Lord, and I may say it a half a dozen or two dozen times in the short ride to wherever we're going, just protect us and let us do our job the best we can. And so for me, that's my little, that's my little thing is just 
and how I feel like he gets me through it is just in the little, the prayers that I say just over and over. And I know if you look in the scripture about prayer, you know, it talks about babbling and going on and on. And I feel like in that situation, it's a little different. It's just a, it, to me, it's just different in that specific situation. Yes. But I mean, to answer your original question, I know for a solid fact that without my relationship with Christ, I couldn't stay on a job. I just couldn't do it. Um, that's how I get through because, I mean, with the things that we do, the people that we see, the things that are put on us, whether it's the job related or politics or this, that, and the other, it will drive you crazy if you let it. It's very easy to happen. And I just fall back to my relationship with Christ and just say, Lord, <laughs> today, I, I just, I just need you to get me through it. Um, yeah. Feel your, feel this place with your spirit to a point that the enemy just has to flee. That if it's going to be negative or bad, that people won't even talk to me, whatever it is. And just let your spirit reign supreme here and we can get through it and have a great day. And, um, and, and most I of the times that. that works out. <laughs> they, there's a brother that recently, you know, I don't want to name drop because he doesn't know I'm going to say this, but uh, he's been saying it in different little groups that we're a part of and talking about a certain situation that's come up for a brother. Mm -hmm. And he just says, God's got this, just be held. And I sat there and, and when I read that, I was like, wow, man, there's so many times where I get overwhelmed in my little things where I forget that I am God's child and I just <laughs> need daddy to hold me right now. You know, just just right. be held. I love that's it, that. and that and that's it. And referencing that specific situation that I'm, I firmly believe you're talking about, I understand. Mm -hmm. I understand that. I mean, I, I kind of live in that that fear every day that I go to work um, that that could happen to me. Yeah, and, likewise. And, and it's it. That's why my prayer every day is, Lord, just fill the spirit, fill this place with your spirit. And if it's driven from the enemy, that you will people won't even talk to me, won't even be around me. And I hate to be that way because I want to fellowship with my brothers and I want to be a part of it. I want the family to be the family. But if it's going to be evil, if it's going to be negative, I don't even want it to come to me or to come across me. And I just, I just want to serve. And I want to serve the people that I said I'd serve and protect the people that I said I'd protect and do it with as, <clears throat> have as much fun doing it as we can, have as much of the brotherhood intact as we can and not worry about those things. But yeah, genuinely, yeah, that's, it's, it's part of it. Yeah, I don't know why either, man, but it's it's so easy for some people to just get saturated in it. You know, even during shift change sometimes, you know, it's – I understand things are heavy on your heart, but my soul, it's 7.30 in the morning. I'm trying to get my bunker gear next to my spot, and I'm just hearing that negativity right out the gate. I just <laughs> – goodbye. I'm going to turn around, and I don't even want to hear it. You know, yeah. it, we just got here. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah, I know that's everywhere. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everywhere's got its issues, and that's – it. We hear it said all the time by a lot of people, and I'm, I can say it because I've done it. It don't matter what firehouse you go into, the faces are different, but the characters are the same. Yes. And that's, and that's a true statement. It is. It really is. And uh, there's something to be said, too, though, about, you know, yes, sometimes you just have to find another department. But, however, you're, you're going into the same, you know, lack of a better word, same circus, different town. Right. So, I mean, <clears throat> what? I don't know. It's. That's another thing, I guess, but um, I, I want to look into that a little more, I guess, on my own time to see different motivations of why people are wanting to leave organizations and then they go somewhere else. And after that honeymoon stage is 
you know, over with, they're like, well, crap, this is no different than where I just left. You know, right. so now why am I here? I don't know. Just I'm intrigued by little things like that. Way random side note. My apologies on that. Uh, you're good because I get it because <laughs> it, it makes sense and I see it. I got a couple buddies that, well, at this point, truly a handful. We're all kind of in the same age demographic. I'm a little older than they are, but mm-hmm. for the most part, we're within five to eight years of each other. And I see people job hopping. And it's just like, I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's, I'm a millennial. and But I was obviously raised by Gen Xers, by Gen X, and then a baby boomer. Um, and I still have some of that, maybe to a fault, loyalty that, yeah, where I'm at may not be perfect and it may be a struggle, but if there's going to be a fight to make it right, I want to be a part of that fight to make it right. And I don't, I don't want to job hop. I don't want to, because I want to be established because I mean, you have to start looking into retirements and a constant uh, salary coming in and benefits. You have to look at those things. Those things come up at a point. And obviously happiness is important and working somewhere where you're appreciated and where you can go to fires and use your skills. All those things are vitally important. And I'm not here to argue that, but there is a point I do believe that you have to say, okay, yes, it's not perfect here, but also, yes, it's worth effort to try to make it better. And that to me, that's where I'm at with my organization. We're not perfect. We're pointed in the right direction, thankfully. And we have, nothing but air and opportunity in front of us to do great things. And we're, our foundation is set. I mean, we are a very spoiled department. Um, we are very, we are on the right side of the politics. I'll just say that we mm-hmm. have nice things. If you walk into our department, we have nice things. We have really good stuff. We don't want for nothing. Um, we're very blessed that we are right. in the right pointed in the right direction to, to be great. And I'm not saying we're not great, I just know we could be a little better. And if there's going to be a fight for us to be better, I want to be a part of it. And it's, to me, it's worth it to not, because too, you know, when you do that, not to get so far off onto that, but when you job hop and you do all those things that kind of, I mean, that adds to your reputation. If people learn you and know you that you're Mm -hmm. not really able to commit, that's going to eventually set a negative precedence for yourself. And I don't want that for me, but but some people, it's just what they have to do, and I get it. Um, there's two sides to every coin, and sometimes we're not meant to be able to understand the other side of somebody's coin, and that's their battle to fight. And right, we may not see yeah, it or understand agree. it, but it is what it is. Yeah, no, I agree on that too, man. And uh, I like you. I'm a. I want to see something through that I started, yes. unless there's just circumstances that supersede anything beyond my control and it just has to happen. I like where I'm at. That's why I chose it. I want to stay, you know, and that's, right. it's just how that kind of goes in my area. But, yeah. uh, but man, so when you were giving me just a little bit of, when I asked you what some of your passions were and just trying to get a good pulse of how this conversation is going to go, which is, which has been phenomenal, man. I, I've been hanging on to every word you've been saying. I mean that sincerely because you, you have an incredible story. And um, I really appreciate hearing it and just seeing the different perspectives you've brought, you know, just through your time in East Tennessee. But uh, one thing that I liked that you described, I want to talk on for a second, is uh, we we got the picture that you're definitely family oriented. I can hear that just in the way you, you conduct yourself. But you said that 
you're the dad of your friend group. <laughs> yeah. And so I want to, I want to know a little more about that, you know, and does that bleed into the fire service? Um, so, uh, short answer to that is, uh, sometimes, sometimes, yes, okay. it does. Sometimes, no, it doesn't. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm the dad of the friend group. I, I'm an old soul and a, I used to be able to say in a young body, my body's obviously not as young as it used to be, but I'm an old soul, man. And I get it from my dad. Of course, my dad, like I said, he was, he was uh, about 20 years older than my mother. And I get it from him because another really prominent memory I have with him is we would set up till about three or four o'clock in the morning, some nights and just listen to old vinyls, you know, Michael Jackson, Prince, the temptations, uh, all those old school, uh, back in the day bands that I, I love and still listen to that music today, but we would do that. And what was cool is that he lived through a lot of that. So he's explaining it to me from firsthand experience. It's not just, so me sitting here telling it to you, it's a memory that was passed to me for him. It was life. And, you know, it's like that episode of the Cosby show where they sit down with the grandparents and they talk about marching with Dr. King. They're not just hearing about that from a teacher who read a book and learned it. They're hearing it from somebody that lived it and experienced it. And my dad was kind of like that in that era. He, I mean, he didn't march with Dr. King or nothing like that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that, but he lived through those times and he knows and he knew what it was to live through those times. And so I learned a lot of things early on and to finish the thought about the listening to music till three or four o'clock in the morning would be really funny (laughs) because we would do that. And then I would be woke up to the smell of coffee and I would wake up on the couch where I fell asleep and it's like seven 30 or eight o'clock. And he's sitting there with a cup of coffee and a Western on TV, drinking a (laughs) cup of coffee and I'm watching a Western. And I'm like, how are you awake? We just went to bed like three hours ago. And, and then obviously we would just start our day off and it was great. And, uh, but I learned a lot of good lessons, uh, from a young age. And I think that's one thing that, that's why I can say I am the friend of the, the dad of the friend group. I always did the driving. Uh, you know, usually I had an SUV or a car big enough for all the friends. I did the driving. I took care of us, got us where we needed to go. Uh, kind of, I don't want to say held us accountable, but pretty much did. Cause I, I didn't run around with a lot of bad guys and I didn't have a really wild friend group. We were kind of all the same, but okay. it, we're very small here. You know, I graduated in a class of 62 people, so there wasn't thousands of us. We were knocking down huge numbers, and so we were all pretty similar in our vibe anyway, but I love to host. I love to cook for my people. I love to just take care of my people and to love my people because I understand how important that is, and so that's what I mean when I say I'm the dad of the friends group, <laughs> and like yeah. I said, sometimes, no, it, awesome. sometimes it does translate to the fire service. It ultimately depends on where I'm at. Uh, if right. I'm at my full-time job, not at all because I'm the <laughs> right up until this year, <clears throat> I wasn't the youngest cat. If you take a couple guys out of the equation that are my buddies mm-hmm. and I like telling them this, but up until this year, if you took those two guys out of the equation, I was the youngest guy there by 20 years. Okay. So, uh, no, I was not the dad of that group. By <laughs> no means. I can see that. <laughs> um, but, good guys and i learned a lot from them guys and i've been with those i've been with the majority of these guys since i started in the fire service um when i came in at 16 most all them guys were there 
and they've taught me a lot. They watched me grow up. And that's one thing I can say is a blessing. Like, so my current captain now, he's both of our captains are pretty much the most senior guys in our department at this time. And okay. I work for both of them, love and respect both of them, would do anything for them. And the great thing about them is they would trust me to do my job anywhere, everywhere, anytime. And that, that means more to me than about anything. Um, so it just depends on where I'm at, what group of people I'm with. Now you pull me out of the, out of the city that I work in and you put me into the County that I volley in, then yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of back to the dad of the friends group, you know, guys and girls, they, uh, they trust me and that's humbling. Cause I know that's very arrogant to say, but it, it's so humbling to just see people come together and to be one of those people that they know that they can look to. And again, I don't want to come off arrogant or cocky, but, it feels good. I mean, at the end of the day, there is it, it, it feels though, good. Which, yeah. And um, well-trained people, good, good firefighters, solid firefighters I'd go anywhere with and have have went a lot of places with. Um, but so job-wise, it just depends on which demographic of people I'm with. But I will say that for the most part, that whole dad of the friend group thing probably refers more so to my personal life than my uh, professional yeah. life. No, I like that because I've – you know, I've been told that I'm a big brother to a lot. And right. so when I, I haven't heard that, that dad title yet, kind of in that friendship era. So I was like, oh, I want to hear yeah. a little more about that. Cause I don't know what he's talking about, but I definitely want to hear his story right. on that. And that, that does make a lot of sense. I like that a lot, man. <clears throat> so with, with one thing that I agree a hundred percent on is the realistic training. And so I'm a, I had a couple questions here based off it but i'm gonna tie it all in together and with that said we're gonna base it off of believing in the mission you know right and so i would like to hear you know what what the mission is to you and then why realistic firefighting training is what's best to help support that mission if that may yes so um I'm going to have to give kind of like a, I hate to say it, but kind of like a politician's answer to this, but I'll bring it back around. Um, About three or four years ago, I was introduced to a small organization called County Fire Tactics and a wild man named Kurt Isaacson and (laughs) completely life altering being introduced to him and then finally getting to meet him. And I'll say this, I'll lead with this networking saved my fire career um and again i'll you'll understand as i talk more about it but like i said here where i'm at we don't go to a lot of fires we don't have a huge budget to do a whole lot of good uh training i don't want to say good training but we don't have a budget to do a whole wide variety of training we don't have a lot of resources to do a whole lot of really good hands-on realistic training we do the best with what we have. We have good quality training with, within our organization, with other organizations, and we work together well. But we don't have a lot of the resources that other places have. like, And that's okay. But we do the best with what we have. Sure. But networking saved me. And Chief Ike and County Fire Tactics was really the first block of that. Um watching his videos, 
seeing some videos of their conferences, then being blessed with the opportunity to, to go to a conference and meeting all those heavy hitter, big name guys that he has teach at those conference. And again, those dudes humble. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, yes. They're just real. They're just normal dudes that do the best job in the world. And they want to teach other people how to do it as best they can. And so going to those conferences, throwing ladders, climbing ladders, I'm going to tell on myself, and everybody around me knows it, but, you know, I'm not huge on heights. I'm a big boy. The ground is my friend. Um, <laughs> so I, I try to overcome those a little bit at a time. Um, mm-hmm. I, fly, I, I try to fly our tower a couple times a month just to help me get past that. And I know as I get in better shape and I lose a little weight, I'll gain confidence in that. And that's the goal is to just continue to be a better me with that too. But, like, Absolutely. so <clears> – <throat> My second CFT conference I went to, we were standing on the backside of this three-story hotel. They had a 35-footer through to the third floor. Clyde Gordon sitting there. He's giving us the pregame speech of what we're going to do. We're going to go to the third floor, go through the window, doing a VES-style search, blah, 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 blah. He's like, what group's going first? My team leader raised his hand. And the other guy in our group shot up. Before we knew what happened, he was passing the second floor. Clyde looks at me. He's like, well, Tank, are you going to stand there? Are you going to go? And I <laughs> boom, off I went. And he didn't give me time to get worried about, man, I'm about to climb this 35-footer all the way to the third floor. Right. I'm nervous. I'm scared to death. But it was just, and it was just the the confidence instilled in that him saying that. Are well, you going to go? Or are you going to stand there? And boom. The next thing I know, I'm diving over the windowsill that they built and created. I'm in the room. I'm doing a search. I'm remembering everything that I learned the year before from doing the FDNY truck track about searching and this, that, and the other. And I think Mo Davis was in the room with a the thermal watching us through the artificial smoke. And I come up to a bed, and I remember you got to get up on the bed, not just throw your hand up there, get up there, really figure out if somebody's there. Um, and so I just starfish because I'm thinking I'm at the foot of a queen size bed because we're in a hotel that's going to be tore down. I'm thinking I'm at the foot of a queen size bed. Wrongo, right. I was on the side. <laughs> I was on the side of a twin size bed. And when I went, I went completely over the bed. And I was like, Tank, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. But I wasn't ready for that. He's like, I love the aggression. Nobody's on the bed. Keep moving. We got this. And I'm like, let's go. So it's things like that. Um, and the motivation and how they're serious, but they can have fun with it. And they made that realistic because they had sheets on the bed and they, you know, Todd Edwards is, he made it famous. He put baby oil on himself and nothing but a pair of boxers and put himself in a bathtub full of water because that's where we're going to find people. We're going to find people in the closet buried under stuff. We're going to find kids in the toy box. We're going to find kids huddled together under mattresses. We're going to find people in places that, if you stop and think about it, man, it makes really good sense. They're hiding from a fire there. But when you think about them just being there, that's not where you would think about them being there. Right. And so, you know, having the rescue Randy dolls that are heavy and stuff, that's great. It's re- it's somewhat realistic. It's more realistic than maybe some hose packs or this, that, and the other. But, you know, really making training as realistic as possible, as realistic as your resources allow you to, is vital making it hard. So there's, I've posted pictures of, I got a big truck tire that I flip at my house Mm -hmm. and somebody always wants to comment and say, 
I don't remember the last time I rescued a fire, uh, a tire out of a fire. And it's like, look, you're not wrong, but this is what I have to work with. And it's making me better. And it's making me stronger. It may be a little off color, maybe a little unorthodox, but. Well, we don't have to break down the science of the body mechanics involved in right. the tire and how that's very right. effective for the fireman. Right. <laughs> but it's just taking the resources you got and maximizing them and putting effort in to do it. And I just believe that, you know, train with your gear on. It's, it's like the, the challenge that I'm doing now that is taking Facebook by storm. And Yeah, I'm I wanted to talk about that, so that'd be a good segue. So the way that came about was a couple of weeks ago, my wife just graduated with her master's degree, and we were out with her family celebrating, having a celebratory dinner, and we were at a oh. Japanese, uh, Japanese steakhouse. And you know, when you go places like that, you always eat too much. It's good, but you just you can't you get you get a little gluttony about yeah, yourself. Yeah, you can't and help just yourself. Like, <laughs> so we're sitting there. I'm full. I know my wife. I know she's gonna want to go get ice cream, and I'm just trying to find it in me to exist, let alone find <laughs> room for ice cream. And so, uh, I'm like, hey, I think tomorrow I'm gonna walk a mile and my turnout gear and air pack. I think I'm going to do that. Just do something hard. Just get me back. Cause I'd been kind of, I don't want to say I was slacking and exercising. I just kind of came to a point where I wasn't really trying myself. Okay. And so yeah, I, I told her, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do that and see how it goes. She's like, Oh well, yeah, you got that easy. It's going to be fine. Blah, blah, blah. Super supportive. Like, you know, most wives are and should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so fast forward to the next day. I go to the the walking track that everybody's now seen in the videos, and I do it. I do a mile. I'm like, hmm, that felt pretty good. Let's just keep going, see what we can do. So I did two miles. I was like, okay, it's hot. It's like almost 90 degrees. I'm not going to push my luck. I don't want to be dumb. You know, I could still get a job. got to go. I got to perform on a job, but I'm going to keep walking. I'm just going to take some of my gear off and keep walking. So I decided to make a video, and obviously Chief Ike seen it. And through the challenge out there, doing it 30 days, free ticket to HROC, 60 days, free ticket, free room to HROC. I was like, oh, that's great. And I know in my mind, in my heart, and sitting here today, that with, with off time that I have available at work and this, that, and the other, I'm probably not going to get to go to that. I was like, but I'm still going to do it. And I'm going right. to use this as an opportunity, one, to test myself, to test not only my physical ability, but my mental discipline to get out here and do it every day. Yes. To hopefully motivate somebody else to do the same for themselves, and just to set the example for people around me and whoever sees the videos, because that that initial video is now almost to twenty thousand views. That's twenty thousand people on the job, not on the job, that have seen it, and hope if if one person sees it and says, you know what, if he can, I can. It's worth it, and that's what it's about. Man. So, um, like I said, I may not get to go to H Rock. I may not get to take Chief up on chief ike up on that offer and that's okay because the movement that it's created the the story that it's telling that's the point of it it's not just about the benefit at the end it's about how we grow and what we choose to do with our 15 minutes of fame so to say and to get to be one face and one voice of this movement it gives me goosebumps every single day to think about it and to do it. And I'm thankful for that because I had a small audience. Then Chief Ike gets in there. He's got a bigger audience. We share it with other people. They have a different audience. 
and then somebody somewhere across the world or across the country sees it. And again, the impact that it makes, it's not about me. It's not about Tank, because I promise you, if it's about me, it would have died before the video ever posted. Amen, man. And it's not just about Chief Ike. It's not about County Fire Tactics. It's about us as a whole, as a body of believers, setting the, whether you're on the job as a fireman, in emergency services, whatever your job is. You, and I can't stress that enough, that it's not just about emergency service personnel. Obviously, it started with us, but it's about everybody. And it's about people just figuring out their version of a hard thing, making an effort every single day to do something to challenge themselves to say, hey, look, I overcame this today. And I encourage people to post their videos and everybody's nervous and I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Whatever's on your heart, make it quick, make it a little long. Who cares? Once you post the first one, the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth one, they come a lot easier. So yeah, and actually, just, you know, all all this Facebook feed is flooded with positivity and none of this exactly. negative stuff. That, and that's what it's about too, man. Exactly. And, uh, it, I've told a lot of people this too, brother. Seeing this same kind of thing play out is what you're seeing are willing servants lining up with God's will, saying, "Use me. I'm here to be used." Exactly. And that's the whole point. There's enough nonsense and negativity and forced division coming to us the the working class the quote-unquote normal people from other outlets and avenues that we need to remember that we're not so different regardless of your political views your skin color your anything your religious views you know some people hate on me for saying this that's okay regardless of what you believe what you are what you feel what you see anything us as humans, we're not so different, and we're stronger together. Now, obviously, folks like us, we know that our calling comes from God. And we believe in being the hands and feet of Jesus, setting the example, loving people with the love of Christ, and doing it. And that's what drives us and fuels us. And so that's what we're going to unapologetically do day in and day out the best we can. And I have no problems with that whatsoever. But again, another main part of it is knowing that together we are stronger and we are better together than we are apart. Amen. And we all bleed red. And I love that song by Brooks and Dunn, but it's so right. true though. Yeah. Doesn't matter where you come from. We all bleed the same. We're all, we all bleed red. Right. I love that. So, so coming back to the training thing, this is just an ad. This whole challenge is just a version of that, you know, okay. because it's so funny because I've always been comfortable in my turnout gear in mm -hmm. an air pack. And thankfully, um, but like now it's just that much more it, it, to me, I hate wearing pants. I hate jeans. I hate pants in general. I'm a shorts guy. <laughs> Let's go tank. That's but, what I'm talking about. If you, if you came to me and said, you got to wear jeans for a week or else I'm going to ask you or else what? Because <laughs> it may not be as bad as you think it is. Yeah. Let me weigh this out. <laughs> yeah. Give me my options. But <laughs> To me, well, once you find turnout gear pants that fit properly, wearing turnout gear pants are as comfortable as anything. Mm -hmm. And I just, I could sit in them all day. I can wear them all day. They're, they're, they're hot. Turnout gear's hot. I hate hearing, oh, that stuff's hot. Well, yeah, it's turnout gear. It's going to be hot. It's thick. It's the job. It's whatever. Like, you can't stand the heat. Get out the kitchen. I don't know what to tell you. Sure but, but doing it every day, 
gets you comfortable being uncomfortable. And that comes back to realistic training. You have to do things that put you in a place of, man, this sucks, or man, I don't know what to do. Because it's better to have that on the training ground than the fire ground. Mm-hmm. And because if you have it on the training ground, take a time out, you reevaluate, and you go back and you figure it out next time. If you have it on the fire ground, there's no timeouts. <laughs> Like right. it's, it's figured out and th- I get it. There's things that are going to happen on the fire ground that we're going to have to figure it out. We're not going to be able to um, predict everything that happens. We're not going to be able to practice everything that's going to happen or plan it out, but we'll be, the more we do on the front end, the more prepared we'll be for those uh-oh moments on the fire ground. And that's another thing I say here. We're not going to the fires e- even here where I'm at. I'm not going to the fires that the guys that I work with went to in the past. So therefore realistic training is the way that I'm going to stay alive. Mm -hmm. And I believe the best way to keep a firefighter safe is to train that firefighter appropriately, not by keeping them standing in the yard saying, Oh man, that's a fire that looks bad, but uh, we can't be unsafe. We can't go in there. It's like, no, prepare for that on the front end. Pull the line with trained people, as many as you can have, as many as you got, because staffing is an issue everywhere. Yep. As many well-trained, good firefighters you can put on scene in the first little bit and then let them do what you hopefully properly trained them to do. And that's how you keep firefighters safe. And that's how you protect the victims and the civilians that we said we protect. That's my opinion. I will not waver from that. Period. Yeah. I will stand up right next to you hundred percent on that. It's not near as complicated as people want to make it right. seem. It's really not. And it's just, I don't appreciate the suppressing factors that some of our brothers and sisters have on them from executing that <laughs> because we all know what's truly best for the citizens. But some of those that have not really worn those turnout gears, but are put in positions of authority, um, they make it complicated for, for the citizens and for us to execute for them. Right. So when those quick moments happens, unfortunately, I think we're still going to continue to see this battle. I hate it. I can't stand it. Right. And I understand too, the other side of the coin, I get the administrative side. I truly do. And I've been recently elected as a chief in my volunteer agency. And the things I've learned in the last handful of months since then, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I always knew that there's liability and responsibility and all those fun words for chief officers, but learning right. them on a firsthand basis, not just having an idea that they exist. I get the fact of wanting to keep your people safe, but I also still hold true to the fact that the best way to keep you safe is to teach you the right way to do the job. If something happens that we can't prevent, somebody gets hurt or heaven forbid somebody gets killed, you can't out-train that situation. You can't out-train anything. You can't totally protect everybody from everything. But right. you can prevent preventable things by training people and teaching them and doing them right. Because as a leader, and especially as a chief, whether you're the chief of the department, a battalion chief, a deputy chief, whatever type of chiefs you have in your organization, no matter how many people are under your command, whether it's the whole department or a handful, as a chief officer, you owe it to your citizens and to your people to give them the resources they need as much as you can 
to be as best prepared physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually to serve our public and to do this job as you can. Amen. Period. Um, yeah, period. <laughs> and thankfully, like I said, you know, we have elections and we elect officers, but I'll say this. Thankfully, all of our elected officer, chief officers in our department are very seasoned guys, with the exception of me. I'm, I've, I've been on the job since 2009, so I mean, I've got a little experience, but I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm seasoned and a super veteran because I'm still just a kid. But I've been right. fires, done the paper training, I got the certifications, I try to put it to good use with hands-on stuff. So I'm humbled and I'm thankful that my people trust me enough to give me the opportunity to be responsible for them and to lead them. And, but learning the other side, I'm also seeing, like I, like I said earlier, I respect that there's the other side to that chief coin. There's that you have to worry about certain things. I understand that. And then on the fireman side, you want to do the job and serve the public the best you can. And now playing, wearing both hats, literally, I'm saying, I'm seeing that, you know, doing both sides of these is not as difficult as some people make it out to be. Yeah, there's a line you got to walk. And here's a perfect example. We get dispatched for a confirmed working fire in my volunteer district a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Um, all the mutual aid companies are paged out with us. I hit the road. I'm going. Within a few minutes, maybe seven, eight minutes, I got two engines and three people pulling up on scene. Engines pulling them back to back. They pull a pre-connect. They start hitting it from the outside, which is fine. They got three people and only one interior fireman at the time. Do with what resources you have. I believe in aggressive interior attack, but I also believe in using the resources you have as wisely or as best as you can and not getting somebody killed. Um, I pull up on a scene. I assume command. I get a, I don't see any fire. I'm like, great. This fire is probably under control. Wonderful. So I walk up. And so there's three captains on the scene of the three guys that are on mm-hmm. scene. And uh, one of them, that the, the actual firefighting captain comes up to me and he was like, hey, this is what we've done. This is what we got. I said, cool. Has anybody put eyes on the inside yet? Do we know everybody's out of the structure? He was like, she's not home. This is the situation with her. It's confirmed. Great. I said, okay, cool. Great. But have we put eyes on the inside to know the fire is being put out? appropriately right he's like not yet i said cool we got me here we got other units coming let's pack up let's get inside so he starts getting his air pack on i start getting my gear on because i came in pov i get my gear on i'm going to put my air pack on and i'm i I do a quick 360 before i get fully dressed just to see eyes on everything and i'm about to put my air pack on because i'm going in i'm going to go in combat command there's only four of us on the scene we're going to do what we got to do we're going to do a quick search anyway because it's occupied till we say it's not and we're going to do the best we can well our cat our county's emergency management team pulls up they're all interior certified firemen and i'm like they're going to come off their truck ready to go i have mm-hmm. to still get ready it's wiser for me to step back. No matter how bad I want to go in this building and fight fire and be a fireman, I'm in a position tonight. I'm responsible. Okay. I'm responsible for these people. And I got to step back. So I hollered at him on the radio. Uh, this crew, 
come to the seaside to the door. We got access for you, ready to go inside. Copy. Four of them show up, air packs on, masked up, gloved up, tools in hand, ready to go. We got the line at the door. Boom, they're in. Water's on the fire. Other companies are coming in. I got another crew coming in. They're going in to do a search. Everything works out. Great. Search comes back negative. Everything's cool. Fire's put out. Had a lot of younger guys that are newly certified that we were able to work uh, work through evolutions, uh, get them some time on a nozzle. Uh, just given the conditions, it was con- it was the fire was controlled at the time. But given the conditions, we had hoarder light conditions. We were able to find pockets of fire, really get young guys some good time in the smoke, breathing on air, nozzle in hand, learning. It was a great learning experience. We were not, uh, we were not jeopardizing the integrity of the home. We weren't doing anything wrong or extra. We weren't spraying more water than we needed to. You know, it was one of those things. Everybody goes home with the homeowner. That's people's favorite line. Um, It wasn't anything like that. We were just. Given the situation we had, we were able to give young guys good reps. We had a perfect balance of senior members and new members that were trained and ready to go in and do the job. And we were able to work them through that. And I'm thankful for that. But the example there is I wanted to be a fireman. I wanted to go in. I wanted to put air pack on. I wanted to do it. And I knew that arriving on the scene at the time, boom, I had the resources to do that. I could step back and trust the people that I know that I can trust to do the job they're trained to do. And I found, like I said, and bringing it kind of back together, that balancing that white hat from that black hat Mm -hmm. is a, I'm not going to say it's easy because it's not, it's a little easier than some individuals make it out to be. And I believe that comes along with training and with being prepared, paying attention in your officer classes and in your leadership classes and taking the best of all the worlds and putting them together and really doing it for the citizens and for the people that we're responsible for. Are the people, the firemen that are uh, in our control and our responsibility. And I, I believe that finding that balance isn't quite as hard. Now, there's going to be some people like, well, this kid, he's still a kid. He's only been a chief. He's an elected volunteer chief. He's only been a chief for so many months. He don't know what he's talking about. He'll learn the hard way. Blah, blah, blah. So be it. If that's the case, I'll learn it. And we'll, we'll take that as life comes. But in the short time that I've been blessed with this opportunity, I've, I've learned a lot. And I try to take every moment as a learning moment and every fire as a learning opportunity. And just try not to forget to love the job. And that's just yeah, the thing. An incredible outlook. I really do believe that's an incredible outlook. But, but no, I mean, serious. I mean, even, even where I'm at, um, the guy on my crew, you know, loving to death, and I'd, I'd go anywhere with him. But he's he's the same. He's he's still in his he's new with our organization, so he's still in his probationary year. However, he's the chief of his volunteer fire department, right. and so he was recently voluntold that, if that makes sense, with his uh, volunteer organization. It was, it's a funny yeah. story. He'll have to share it one day. But um, he thought that he was going to be facilitating like a the assistant role or what have mm-hmm. you and then it came back and he was dubbed like chief chief and so he's like whoa hold on so he's he's navigating through all that too still navigating through his probationary year with uh, his full-time job here and seeing the correlations and just hearing you share that made me think of him 100 percent because he's right there with it and right. i'm seeing his, his mindset 
change a little too as he's getting that exposure to both and those ramifications that come with it all. Yeah. You know, and I, I haven't, I haven't been in a, a company officer role or a, a chief role by any means. And that that's okay too. I have been in those situations to where I've had maybe the, the volunteer with little interior experience on my wing, guiding him through this and that, you know, when it's appropriate, you know, like our overhaul stage or like what you're saying earlier, um, stuff like that. So I've had those minor responsibilities, I'll call it with someone else directly underneath me, but I still don't forget that we have to do everything that we can to make sure that, First and foremost, like you said, it is not occupied. And second of all, that we are doing everything we can to save what we can, because now that we've determined that there's no life here, now we have to switch over to the property aspect. And what are we doing to best save that? Right. And, uh, man, I never heard it put that way. Everyone goes home, but the homeowner. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to borrow that one thing. <laughs> oh yeah, I get that a lot on some posts and stuff, and. You, people say that a lot when people take pictures on a fire ground, like after a job, they're like, oh, everybody goes home with the homeowner. Let's celebrate our victory, blah, blah, blah. And th- that's coming from a place of jealousy and yeah. just immaturity. And yeah. I, that's another thing, too. Like, I believe we should document our time together, document our time on the fire ground, take group pictures, remember those moments, because it's the best job in the world. And it, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, there's an appropriate time for it. Don't get right. me wrong. Um, don't pose. For a picture with the fire burning in the background, you know, wait till it's out, wait till it's over. And there's nothing wrong with taking a picture with your brothers and sisters. And then something else I firmly believe in is documenting and remembering and celebrating our successes. If you make a good knock. So this fire that I just referenced was a 1995 model single wide trailer. Mm-hmm. By all means, that thing should have been on the ground where we were at. And all four walls and the roof are still intact and two thirds of it's salvageable. That's awesome. You're not gonna you're not gonna live in it, but you can take right. some things out, clean some things. It, you know, it's like Chief Ike says, is you can dry stuff out, but you can't unburn it. Right. And that's why we gotta get in there and do it. So yeah, one third of the house is cooked and there's nothing we can do to prevent that because that's where the fire started. But the the other two thirds of the home you could probably salvage some stuff, clean it up and keep it, especially some important things like family pictures that were on the wall in the living room, things like that. Those are still intact because mm-hmm. of the good job that the initial guys on scene did. It's nothing to do with me. I'm just, I was just the chief officer on scene that was responsible for that jurisdiction that night. The guys and girls on the ground did the work and I'm going to celebrate that. I, and I gave every single individual on that scene, a kudos and a slap on the back because they did it. And there's nothing wrong with celebrating that. We got to get better about doing that because, like you said, there was no life threat. We still did a search. We still made sure that we said it was unoccupied, not just going off the reports of whoever. Mm-hmm. And then there was there was property that could be salvaged and saved so that people could um, keep those memories or keep those things if they so choose to. And I believe that's worth celebrating. It was a good job done by the people and they deserve to know that. Now we don't have to publicly boast it all the time, but I believe sharing our successes with each other is very important. And somebody that's appreciated will always do more than what's expected. Because if you show them truly that you appreciate them and you remind them that, Hey, you did a good job. 
I'm proud of you for what you did. You did this right. Now, obviously, if, if you got to correct somebody, you know, discipline and handling situations like that, that's another different conversation. But don't forget to remind your people or to tell your people that they did a good job. They deserve to hear it. And yeah, I believe be in the that. business of building them up, man. You know, definitely. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, so that's that. Um, did that, did I, I did a lot of rambling. I do that a lot. And, no, yeah. uh, I but, love it, brother. No, I followed I, track, and that was awesome. That that really did justify the the question that I was wanting. And I'm, obviously, it was your point of view I was wanting to pick, anyways, on it. But no, I, I like what you how you tie that in. You gave a real life experience of how that is important to uh, to back it up. You know, I, I just thought that was awesome because I, I do. There's so many. That's a, a big, great debate out there. Everyone's aware of it too. But you know, training, realistic safety, blah blah blah. But I don't know. I just, I like getting different points of views because we can never, I do a hundred percent believe without it being cliche as too. we can never train enough for a job that can kill us. And I'm not talking about just structure fires or wildland fires. I'm talking about holding a stop sign on a County road and getting ran over because Ethel or whoever was texting on the phone and didn't see you and ran over you. We you actually, know? we actually had that incident in a, in a organization close to us that a, a really good friend of mine, had personal connections to. So yeah, every single aspect of this job needs to be taken serious. I mean, yeah. from the, from sweeping up oil dry on a car wreck to whatever the worst fire is in your jurisdiction, mm-hmm. you got to be ready for it and you have to touch on it. And if you don't, then bad things are going to happen. Preventable mm-hmm. things are going to happen. And that's one thing about me. <laughs> um, and this is leading into something totally different. I'm not leaving this podcast today and any podcast I ever get the chance to do in the future, hopefully I'm not going to leave anybody with some cool one liner quote that somebody's going to make a really cool picture out of or this, that, and the other. My, <laughs> my job, my, my mission is to remind men and women of the things that they know, mm-hmm. remind them of the things that they already know. And so that they can remember, hey, you know, that's right. I got this. That's the yep. goal for me. Um, I'm not here to be groundbreaking. I'm not here to be something I'm not. I'm not here to pretend anything. But I do want people to remember the things that I know that they know, that they got this, that whatever their it is, they got it. That's why I say it in most every video that I post, because I believe it. But right. you got to believe in yourself. You got to remember that. And that's what's so important. So that's my thing. Um, that self-confidence is key, man. It really, and that it's not to be taken arrogantly or egotistically. Right. And it's right. sad that we even got to clarify that, you know, but you have to have that self-confidence. Man. I agree. And it's, it's, it's vital because <clears throat> truthfully, anybody, you can have a hundred people screaming at you that you got this. But if you in your heart and your mind don't believe it yourself, you're not going to get it. And that's yep. the thing I just want to instill in people is that you got it. And, yep. you know, the, the, it's like I said in my video yesterday, you know, somebody always points out something funny that I say, or, you know, my mom's <laughs> big about, you know, ha you said this or that. And I was like, you know, my video yesterday, I was like, you know, the naysayers are going to naysay. Mm-hmm. And you're always going to have that too. Just keep doing what you know is right. Keep doing what you know is right. Keep grinding, keep pushing keep moving forward and you got it. As long as you know, in your heart and your mind, you're doing what you firmly believe is right. And it's making you better. 
and it's preparing you to do your job better, to do whatever your it is better. Like I said, this is not just for people in the fire service, but as long as you're making that conscious effort every single day to be better than you were yesterday, that's what matters. It don't matter what anybody else says. Amen. Couldn't agree more with that, man. This is, this has been an awesome, awesome phone call. My man, uh, I say phone call cause that's what it is, but it's been an awesome episode in general. Right. Just having your, your experiences brought to the table, having just backed up with your person, who you are. Cause like I said, when I, when I reached out to you first, man, I, I love your energy. I love your humility. You're always smiling. You're always encouraging. And as a, I'd like to think I'm an encourager myself, just the fact that you keep on keeping on, you know, lack of better words. I love it. It's mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to just pick your brain. I wanted to hear your story, get it brought to life. And uh, man, I just I appreciate the time that you've got that you've given us. man. Again, I, I appreciate the, the invite. It's, uh, it's it's been a lot of fun for me. I'm excited about it. We're good, man. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. This has definitely been enjoyable. I've, this is the first time we've talked, but I felt like I've already known you for a long time, man. I love right. that. That's what I know. They're good conversations. And so, that, yeah. that's one thing I try, you know, um, the me you see is the me you get. That's, and I think that's something exactly. that people in my personal life could probably tell you. Yeah, that, that's, that's tank. I mean, like I said, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I'm a knucklehead and, you know, I struggle with the same struggles that people struggle with and, you know, and I'm usually pretty honest in my videos. If I'm having a bad day, if I'm having an off couple of days, like I mentioned a few weeks ago, sometimes I'll go through about 36 to 48 hours of just bleh, where I don't feel like existing. I don't feel like nothing. Right. And then I'll just kind of get that, that re-energized back to the super positivity. And I try to always be transparent with people about that because it's real life. Yeah. Nobody yeah. is, is like, if nobody's, a hundred all the time you're gonna have your negative a hundreds some days and that's okay and it's okay to have those days it's okay to learn from those days it's not okay to stay in those days you have to make that conscious effort to get back to the plus side and like i said i always try to be honest and transparent with people about those because i don't want to set an unrealistic expectation of positivity i don't i want people to know that Again, that it, it's okay to, to have bad days. It's just not okay to stay in those bad days. But you got to make that effort to get out of them yourself. Nobody else yeah, can really you do it for you. But, yeah. And so that's a whole other thing. But, but yeah, I do, yeah, I I do try. That. I do try. And I'm, like I said, I'm just a knucklehead kid who's very spoiled. And I'm just blessed with the opportunity to be able to say and do things. And I hope that, like I said, the impact... And this whole thing, it's not about me. It's not about Tank. It's about us. And I, I really can't say that or stress that enough. It's about us. And it's way more than just the individual. And I'm, I love yeah. seeing where God's taking it. I'm excited to see where he's going to take it. I know yeah. he's got big things coming. And whatever that means, I'm here for it. And I'm glad to get to be a part of it. Well, especially in our our small world of the fire service because the fire service is a lot smarter than people want to think it is, mm-hmm. man. God, God is on the move big time right now. And if you know, you know, and you're paying attention, it's almost exciting. Like tune in next week and you see what God's dropping now. It's, right. it's incredible. So I am a hundred percent on board <laughs> with you on that and just loving, looking forward to what he's doing for us in general. But, uh, so, man, as we as we are wrapping up, though, I love asking all my guests this question because of what it means to me. And anyone that knows me knows 
or, and knows the platform knows exactly what's up on this. But uh, Tank, what does setting the standard mean to you, my man? Setting the standard to me means leading from the front, getting out there, doing the work, matching your effort with your talk, and just being essentially being the example that you wanted set for you. And maybe you had that example, maybe you didn't. But whatever that example is, whatever that standard you believe is right, make sure you're doing it, letting people see it. And that's another reason I tell people to record their videos. It's like, let people see you walking the walk of the talk that you talk. To me, that's setting the standard, being and acting out who you say you are. Yes. Spot on, man. I love it. And everyone's got an awesome point of view. And it just, that's a question I don't think I'll ever stop asking because I love it. Everyone's got the same spin. And right. it's just cool. So, but man, do you have anyone you want to, you know, give some praise or thanks to, you know, as <sighs> you're wrapping get, up your episode? You always get in trouble when you start to give shout outs and stuff. I know. That's it. okay. But I mean, <laughs> I've mentioned some heavy hitter big names already in this. And I love those guys. And I'm super blessed and humbled to be able to know those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, the people around me, uh, the people that I volley with, the organizations that I volunteer with, the my organization that I work full time with, those people, my family. You know, I talked about my mother a lot, my uncles, mm-hmm. obviously my wife, and I got great friends around. I won't call many of them out by name exactly, but they know who they are. They know the right. positive impact they have on my life, and I'm just I'm thankful for them. And somebody else. Another organization I'm going to shout out is a big, pretty big organization that most people know, but, you know, Kev, Lou, and Pete with the Getting Salty Experience podcast. I love those guys. They took me under their wing, uh, allowed us to come up to New York and let me and Carrie stay in Kevin's house and uh, awesome. last year for September 11th. And that whole community, that whole family is just awesome. Uh, I'm thankful for those guys. Uh, I guess that's a shameless plug for them. Uh, they didn't ask me to do that. They didn't that we didn't talk about that, but I love those guys. I follow them too, man. They do great things over there. But uh, I think what they're doing for the fire service is super vital. They're bridging old school and new school in a way that's just uh, unmatched in a way that wasn't done before they started their podcast a couple years ago. I'm thankful to be a part of that. And they're super awesome. Uh, But really just the people that know that listen to this, that know that I'm shouting them out. They know I'm thankful for them and I love them and I'm blessed to have them in my life. And without them, I couldn't do it. So without naming many specific names and getting people, and you didn't mention me, you know, we won't. Oh yeah. I know it's, it's always a a double edged sword question, but you know, sometimes you just got to let, let it praise me be happen. And so, but I do want to give, uh, I do want to give a special one to my wife, Carrie, because man, the support, the undying, support that she continues to give me she's like look you ain't acting like you're telling people to act today you ain't believing in yourself like you tell people to believe in yourself today you gotta listen to what you're saying you gotta do it she keeps me grounded she keeps me right Mm -hmm. and let me tell you i know jesus is the only perfect one that's ever came to earth but i think god got a little ahead of himself when he made her and he just put a little (laughs) bit of extra in her and I'm glad I got her because let me tell you, I sure don't deserve her, but I'm glad he sees fit for me to be able to have her in my life. So I'm thankful. Amen, brother. And I hope we all feel that way. Amen. Man. 
But is, is anyone able to get a hold of you through Facebook or Instagram or anything like that if they want to reach out to you or just oh, of course. find you in a certain something? Oh, of course. Uh, so Facebook, it's Tank Fired Up Morris. Um, all other socials, whether it's Twitter or – I'm not huge on Twitter, so like don't do it on Twitter because I'll probably never see it. But Instagram, <laughs> uh, TikTok, all those uh, – Facebook, uh, YouTube, it's all Tankamus underscore prime. So, uh, yeah, okay. I'm uh, I'm always available. I'll get back to people as much as I can, and I'll try to show that love and that positivity to anybody and everybody. And yeah, I'm not I'm not one of those guys that's gonna just kind of brush people off because, like I said, the more people we get in on this mission and sharing this message, the the farther it's gonna go. So yeah. Amen, brother. Well, Tank, thank you again so much for your time. Uh, it was a pleasure to just talk shop and talk life with you, man. And I'm I'm rooting for you. Uh, keep it going. How many days left you got on your challenge, man? Uh, today is day. Let's see. Today is day nineteen. So okay. we got till uh, Halloween is day sixty. Okay. So on Halloween day, I'm hoping to catch some way more traction with it. I'm hoping to catch some local attention with it because I my I've not told anybody about my wife this, and we'll see who hears them. But I want my my goal is like the weekend before it's over um to to get a lot of local people with me to be in the video to walk those miles and just bring the family together i would love to see that be able to happen um so just i need to start saying that more in my videos that i post and i probably will so i'll start that today so thanks for reminding me of that um but that's uh because i just i just want as many people involved and spreading this message as absolutely possible. There's, you know, it's not about personal gain. It's not about anything like that for me. My gain is to see people doing it. And I'm, my heart is so full and so proud of these brothers that have been doing it so consistently and posting their videos every day. So I've, I've won. I've, I've got out of this what I wanted to get out of it and what I needed to get out of it. So everything from this day forward, from any day forward is just about sharing the message with people and loving people and, that's it. It's not about me. It's about us. Amen to that, brother. Well, I'm definitely rooting for you and uh, definitely excited to just continue to follow you on your journey, man, and see what God continues to do with you in general. So uh, thank you again, brother. And uh, guys, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I hope you got a lot out of it like I did. And uh, y'all just stay safe until next time. Love you guys. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'll hit y'all.